You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. And to all our listeners, welcome back. We are on another episode of the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. Um, you know, Jay, we we have had a couple of weeks break because of my travels, but we're we're picking this back up. Last week, we finished with the topic of labels, the labels I put on myself. And today we had potentially suggested that we talk about just labels again, but labels that we sometimes could throw outwards. Well, I'm excited to wrap up this conversation we've been having, and I think it's going to set up our next set of conversations, Chico, where we're going to talk about communicating with women, our take on the stages of womanhood, and we did the stages of manhood. This is not going to be academic. This is going to be Jay and Chica's take, having wives and raising daughters. But the goal of that series will be, how can you better communicate with all the women in your life, coworkers, daughters, wives, mothers, you know, the unique way that men can, can communicate with women. So uh, maybe we can pray real quick, and then I would love to jump into the discussion. I know you've got a couple of uh, uh, secret fastball slider pitches up your sleeves right now that the listeners will be excited to to hear. So Heavenly Father, thank you for this podcast and opportunity to bring you glory again, Lord. I ask that as we dive into these topics, Lord, that you can open men's eyes, you can open men's hearts and ears to hear the Spirit move. And Lord, I just ask for you and Jay, you can get us out of the way so that we can just talk about your word, talk about you and your son, Jesus, as best as possible. We love you so much, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wrapping this one up, though, you posed a really interesting question at the end of our last episode as we were talking about hang some positive affirmations around your house so that when you see a negative label coming up, you can remind yourself of who you are. And, and you said, and also let's think about what labels we ascribe to others and how does that impact us? And, and what's interesting is, you know, Chica, I've recently taken a new job and I have a senior role. And part of my role is setting the values and vision and mission for an organization, but also an operating model. And so, you know, if you think about values and vision and mission, Christians are all pretty good at that. We're pretty good at, we get that from the Bible and Jesus and all this stuff. But you know what people often lack is an operating model. And, and what does that mean for, for our listeners that have no idea what an operating model means? Yeah. So like if I'm at my company and I've got a set and I, and I look at the wall and I've written, you know, here's the company's values and here's the mission of the company and here's the vision for the company. But I don't have any way to work that out every single day mm. and, and, any, and any ability to track that and hold it accountable. It's just a set of slogans on a wall. It comes to life in the day-to-day living of it. And in business, we call that the operating model. And there's tons of different operating models you can use to run a company. But it's effectively, how are we going to take what we wrote on the wall and put it into practice every day? And how are we going to hold ourselves accountable to that? And how are we going to track that and deliver on that? And is there an operating model for the Christian man? And is it anywhere to be found in the Bible? And I'd like to make an argument that 1 Corinthians 13 is the operating model we could base our lives on. And that's what we're going to chat a little bit about today. Chica and I have talked about 1 Corinthians 13 before, but we're going to unpack it in a little bit different way today. So 1 Corinthians 13 is the famous passage on love. Right? You've heard it. It's read at weddings. You know, it's, it's, it's very, very famous. 
It's important, though, to understand what kind of love is 1 Corinthians 13 talking about, and then why, why would that lend itself to an operating model? In the Greek, the ancient Greek, there's four kinds of love that the Bible is constantly talking about. So anywhere you read love in the New Testament, you really need to understand which kind of love is the Bible talking about. So let me just give an overview of the four types of love. There's eros, one of my favorites. That's romantic sexual love, right? Eros is romantic sexual love. There's storge, which is family or familial love. There's philia, which is brotherly love. And then there's agape, which is divine love, the love of God. And 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about agape love. That is the focus of 1 Corinthians 13. So as Chica reads it, let it wash over you. And, you know, there's many different, there's many different translations of this. I love the NIV, but there's so many other good ones. And Chica's going to read it. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about why in the heck would we consider that an operating model? All right, Jay. So what I may do, just because it's quite a, a good platform, let me go back to the last part, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Uh, and it says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. 1 Corinthians 13 starts with, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, or give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And then here it comes, Jay. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man... I put all the childhood ways behind me. For now we see only a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Man, we could spend days talking about this passage of Scripture. But there's a couple of things Sheikh and I would like to highlight. Why? We believe you as a man seeking to be a biblical man should potentially spend a lot of time with 1 Corinthians 13 over the coming days and weeks. Really dive into this passage, really study it. Because if you think about a few things, first of all, what, what is one of the base desires of all of our hearts? To be fully known. This whole labels discussion, the authentic man versus the poser, what I say about myself. I, we all want to be known. We want to be seen. And Paul says right here, hey, you're, you're living in a fallen and broken world. Men, let us remind you, you live in a world at war. You got to embrace that fact. If you're a Christian man, you're not a citizen of this planet. You're a citizen of heaven. Once you accepted Christ, you're in a world at war. And Paul says, you're only partially known right now, but then you will be fully, fully known. known. 
and you will know all things. And so what an amazing promise. And so if we just ground right there, then we back up, we go, well, why would the rest of first Corinthians 13 be an operating model? Because once we give our lives to Christ, now we're in his army and he's our captain and men in armies serve under orders and they get missions. And what's our mission here? Paul says it. your mission is to love others in the way that God does. And you go, that's impossible. And we go, yes, that's why you must set your life aside. Cheek and I talk about this all the time. Galatians 2.20, you're crucified with Christ. You're not trying to live like Jesus. You're, you're allowing Jesus to live through you. There's no way any of us could agape love another human. We can only agape love another human through Jesus loving them through us, right? So just pausing there for a second, because we went to the back of the verse before we go to the top and understand what is being said there. We've been given an amazing promise. We can't see everything clearly today. We need to just get okay with that because eventually we're going to cross the veil. You're going to die, right? You're going to die. Like, I hope you think about that a lot and and not fear it, but be excited about it. We're going to die and we're going to cross the veil and you're going to get to know all things because you're going to get to go home. Yeah. And I think another perception that, that you and I have spoken about, maybe offline, is, you know, you may be a captain here on this earth. But in the, in the context you just painted, you're, you're truly not a captain in God's army. However, you have been given much power here on earth to reflect the, the, the army as you lead your soldiers you know, here on this earth. So it's, it's a very cool perceptive because we do let go of everything. We give our hands up in the air and we say it's all yours. But with the responsibility that he has provided us here on this earth, we have a very important duty there too. I agree. I mean, it makes me think of the... The stages of manhood series we did and thinking about our kingship, you and I, Chica, are in the middle of our kingships, and that's exactly right. So let's jump back to verses one through three. So what's going on there? Why is it important to understand that setup before you get into the meat of it, which is the operating model? I don't know if you figured this out yet as a believer, but it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. And if you're a man, it's really not about you. You've been given a mission as we spoke about, right? What is it about then? It's about God and his glory. You were created for his glory and for his purpose. And his purpose is to give you a purpose in the story. So verses one through three says, hey, listen, if you do all these amazing things, you're the greatest athlete. You're the greatest super Christian that ever lives. You have the gift of prophecy. You can move millions to accept the Lord. You can dedicate your body and die as a martyr. You can do all of these things. You could be so brilliant. You understand and can see the fathoms and depths of the world like nobody else. But if you don't have the ability to allow agape love flow through you, if you don't choose to do that, you have nothing. Verses one through three kind of tell me it's not about me and my desires and my mission and all the gifts I've been given. It's about taking all of those things and using them for the benefit of others, which begins to lead us into the operating model, Chica. What do you think about that? Love it. Love it. Let's jump in. Well, so now what's the operating model? You, Chica posed the question, well, what about labels I put on other people? Well, when you're in the operating model of agape love as your dominant approach to the world, you won't label others. And what I love about just how this is broken down as, as we relook at it, it, it kind of does exactly what we were speaking to with labels last week as well, which is we get given labels. But then there are also labels that we can give ourselves, right? We put labels on ourselves, but there is a label from our Heavenly Father too. And I think that the breakdown from verses four through seven 
love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. It also tells you what it does not do. And then it comes back and it says it always protects, always trusts, it always hopes. So there's that flip there that I really enjoy because it, it ties right back to what we were saying last week with the human labels that we can put on ourselves or that we can put on ourselves. Yeah, exactly, Chica. And so the operating model is very simple. And Chica said it, verses four through seven. This is the way we as biblical men aren't to engage with the world. So if you're a Star Wars fan and you're following the Mandalorian, right? This is the way. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I <laughs> this thought. is the way. Why, why don't I label others? Why don't I get frustrated when others are just driving me bonkers? Because love's patient. Because Jesus Christ is patient. See, see, you can insert Jesus's name in verses four through seven anywhere you see the word love. And we've previously said, well, my mission here is to step aside and allow Jesus to live through me. So if I'm in a situation where people are driving me bonkers, Jesus had all the patience in the world. He has time. Jesus is kind. So if I come across somebody who's a knucklehead, I'm kind. I don't <laughs> label them. I'm kind. Jesus doesn't envy. Jesus doesn't boast. So when I find my heart being drawn towards, I want this, I want that, we recognize, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the old man. That's the old operating model. The new operating model is naked I came, naked all depart. Everything I have here doesn't matter. Not mine anyway, just a steward of it and supposed to use it for the benefit of others. I don't envy and I don't boast because I recognize it's not my life I'm living, it's Christ living through me. So everything I'm gaining, everything that's happening, all the blessings that may be coming into my life are coming from Christ for a purpose that I'm supposed to use to act out in loving other people. I'm not self-seeking. I don't get angry. Why don't I get angry? Because Christ has so much love and compassion. And the reality is we live in a fallen and broken world and you're going to sin. You're going to trip up on all these things. But if you're praying and asking Jesus, can I make 1 Corinthians 13 my operating model, Lord? How do I do that? When you get angry, you're going to catch yourself fast. You're going to do it less and less. That's the whole point. You're going to be getting sanctified till you die, right? We talk about that all the time here. Here's a big one. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. What? Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. What? You know, it's you think as a man, right? How many times have you questioned? Well, I remember back when I used to, when I just did, I repent, I repent, I repent, but it's always there in the memory. And you just said that Jesus. No record of wrongs. So what is this? This is the inner healing we've been talking about. This is Nancy. Take out your list of grievances that are in your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. And you got to go through them and start forgiving and doing the inner healing work because we don't keep a list of wrongs. And when we do, then that prevents agape love from flowing through us, right? We don't delight in evil. Okay, let's examine our lives. Ask that hard question. If you're living as 1 Corinthians 13 as an operating model, as often as you can remember and hopefully getting into a rhythm of daily, you're going to say, Lord, search me and show me where I am delighting in and loving evil. Uh-oh, can't click on that. Yep, you're right, Jesus. I've been watching movies that have some soft core. There's some sex scenes in it, but it's not porn. It's not porn. It's not. There's not even nudity. Hey, are you supposed to be watching that? Isn't there, well, isn't there a word for love that means that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, don't be a prude, Jay. Don't be a prude. No, it's not about that. It's about is that is that delighting in evil or is that advancing the kingdom of God? And you these know, are the questions. <laughs> it's it's funny that when we, when we say that we should not be easily angered, um, <clears throat> what comes up for me as I'm reading these words is it's the operating model of the world when I'm living in the world that sometimes gets me frustrated when people are inefficient, when people are rude, when, and then therefore I see myself 
almost flaring up in everything that he's saying, do not do here because I'm operating literally in the operation model of the world versus through this model here, Jay. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. The world, the flesh and the enemy are going to come and say, use our operating model. It's cool if you like that Jesus guy. We're good with that as long as you operate in our model. When you start operating in this model, rejoicing in the truth, and the last few, Jesus always protects. When you start looking out, going, my, op- my opportunity is a biblical man, as I'm a protector. I've taught my boys since they were little, how do we treat women? Oh, dad, we respect and protect women. That is so ingrained in who they are that I hope it will, it will, it will be a sounding board in their mind, right? Hey, I'm a protector. You, if you're a believer, you're a man, you're a follower of Christ, you have been anointed a protector of everyone who's within your universe of opportunity to protect. You're a protector, right? How about this one? Jesus always trusts. You're going to grant trust. You're going to have wisdom. When people violate it, you're going to be kind and patient. You're going to revisit, but you're going to trust. How about this one? Jesus always hopes. Mm. As an operating model, we're going to hope. And the last one, we always persevere. We trust that God is going to come through. Why? Because Romans says he's going to work all things out for our good. If you're listening to this right now and you're deep in an illness or your marriage is falling apart, or your job's falling apart, or a combination of all of them, you can trust that this story is going to end with your good if you stay faithful and in Christ. That's an operating model. Staying in Christ, allowing agape love to flow through me and executing Verses four through seven in all my human engagements. Jay, before before you jump, I want to come back to protect real quick because last week we talked about the labels that we give others. And I think of as, as a father, as a husband, I need to protect my wife, my daughters, or my wife, my children with the labels that I am putting on them subconsciously, unconsciously, verbally, non-verbally as well. If I'm operating in this model that we're speaking to, I need to watch what's coming out of my mouth because every label I stick on them is going to stick with them forever. Man, we're going to have a lot to say about that in the coming episodes. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> the last two that are so powerful, love always preserves and perseveres, and love never fails. Mm. Like, think about that. If you're a Christian man, a follower, whether you're in your warrior phase, your lover phase, your king phase, your sage phase, you got to imagine your feet being rooted to the ground and going deep into the earth's core. You don't fail. You persevere. Mm. Because that is the anointing that your heavenly father and your king has placed upon you. That's why it's such a powerful operating model. The rest of it, verses 8, almost to the end, says, by the way, everything's going to pass away. Things are going crazy. Yes, they are. Don't worry about that. Our human brains want to fix things. Our human brains want to make sense of things because that provides a sense of protection for us right? Versus living in this swirl of fear. So Jay, as we wrap up today's episode, I'm really excited to continue the the unpacking of this idea of love as an operating model, um, and especially and and pointed at how we as men continue to operate with this model in this world with the people around us. That's right. The three building blocks of the model, faith, hope, and love. It's the end of the passage, but the greatest is love. Your operating model for this world as a biblical man, Chica and I would like to suggest it's faith, hope, and agape love. The greatest of those is agape love. So this week, there's some things to chew on. Um, we're looking forward to picking this up here in the coming weeks, and we will continue our discovery of biblical manhood. 